everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. And now, here are your hosts, Sean Keibel and John Mikulski. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tightwad Teacher, episode 16, using Twitter in higher ed for October 25th, 2011. Uh, I'm John Mikulski, and joining me for the last time yeah. is Sean Keibel. How you doing, Sean? <laughs> I'm great. Hello, everybody. Uh, I know it's kind of hard to believe. Uh, uh, I've, I, you know, it's, I, I, it's so funny. I've, I've been facing these situations here recently where I'm both happy and sad about something. Yeah, it's a lot of life changes for you lately with the new job and you moved not too long ago. Right, it really is. So, it, yeah, it's kind of weird. You know, I, I left a district that I loved and uh, going to a new district, so I was both sad and, and excited and happy at the same time. And uh, so, same thing with, with this, you know. Uh, I'm happy to be leaving the, the show in that uh, it frees me up to do some other things that I need to be working on. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm going to miss it. I've enjoyed doing these shows with you every week, so... Uh, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but you know, I'll come around. I'll I'll stop in every now and then and and say hey or maybe sit in on a show. Uh, so uh, you know, I won't be a complete stranger by any means. Well, and you you've done a real good job of showing me the ropes. And now we have someone new coming, and Brian Brugger will be joining us next week. And uh, I know he's really eager to get started, and I think he's really going to uh, take you know fill the fill the role nicely. So uh, again, like you said, it's it's kind of uh sad but at the same time i'm excited to see what what's going to come next right absolutely absolutely so let's see here uh well one you know i was just thinking as you were reading that intro uh episode 16 and it's it's so funny it seems like we just got started and here we are we're already 16 oh, episodes I know. in I know. well and it, it's funny because i'll be talking to either the teachers or, or colleagues or whatever and it seems like in the past, I would they would say something, and I'd mention either a website I knew of, or maybe something I had written about on my blog previously. And now it's, oh yeah, I talked to so and so on my podcast about this, and you can. So it's funny because you're right; like we're starting to have this um, this battery of work behind us, and all these these great people that we've talked to, and all these great topics we've covered. So yeah, it, it's really added up quick. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of neat too. Uh, like you said, you know, you've got that body of work, and uh, on our our. Uh I don't. I don't know if I want to say. Or I guess it is our flagship show, uh, the Tightwad Tech, which is really the one that started the entire network. Right. Uh, we just recorded episode sixty nine, and uh, in the early days, we were doing point five episodes because we were kind of doing formal episodes, and then every every other week we were doing kind of an informal show, but it was, uh, it, you know, it's still topical. And, uh, so I think we're probably closer to, uh, we did episode 69, but we're closer to probably 74 or 75 total episodes of that. And we still get, uh, well, we, we can see, we get these new listeners that are really, uh, really enjoying the show because they'll go back and they'll be listening from, from the very first episode <laughs> and and we start getting comments on the forum you know with like some uh some random person will pop into the forum and they're like they start uh, commenting on episode three and then episode five and and they're commenting all along and you can see them going back through all those shows and listening and uh that's one of the great things about this format is you know it's not just you know it's out there one time and done that whole body of work exists out there on the uh, on the internet and uh, people can stumble upon your show two years later and go back and listen to that uh, hopefully wealth of information that you've put right. out there. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, 
So I, in the warm-up, I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Uh, one is rich school, poor school. And uh, that's uh, – I'm kind of referencing the uh, the show, the episode of the Tightwad Tech that we just recorded on Monday. But um, it's funny, you know, my observations and going from a very small, poor district to a large, rich district um, – it's it's just it's very eye opening. It's pretty wild. It's been a an interesting ride already, and I've only you know not even two weeks yet. Um, so I won't go on too much about it, but I will say uh, you know if you're interested in hearing that perspective, you can go check out uh, uh, it's episode sixty nine of the Tightwad Tech, which actually will be out. Uh, well, it'll be out by the time this show releases. So um, yeah, certainly check that out. It's it's it's. Interesting. I mean, I know you know, John, uh, you know, I'm getting introduced to uh, all the iDevices and uh, smart boards and uh, smart tables and boy, you name it, we've got it. Well, let me ask you, because you you went from a school that did not have a lot of a very big budget to one that has a a lot of funds. Right. Is the is the grass really greener on the other side? Yeah. you know, not I mean, there's pluses and minuses, I guess, is the best way I can say it, because um, certainly having all that technology, uh, you know, I'm I'm real big on, you know, as far as being a leader, you know, I, I'm big on servant leadership. So you serve people when you're when you're leading. Right. And I tend to think of technology that way. So if teachers want a tool that is going to make them you know, is ena- enabling them to do their job better, then you got to get them that tool. You got to do everything you can to serve them. Sure. And uh, so even though, you know, I may have problems with as far as how the financials work on uh, getting iPads or uh, things like that in the classroom, um, you know, if, if a teacher can show that they really are going to be able to use these things effectively in instruction, uh, then you got to get it for them. Uh, and so, I'm I'm seeing some of that, and I'm seeing some where you know teachers are using these devices more effectively, and then I see other ones that are, uh, you know, basically getting the devices uh, just because they can get them, you know, just to play. Right, right. So, so there's there are there are pluses and minuses. You know, every time you see, you know, it's great to see the ones who are, are using them effectively, um, but for every one of those, there's one that you know it's. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a play device. It's a toy. And that makes me cringe because I think, well, you know, we could have got two other devices in the hands of kids, you know, with a good teacher. You know? Right. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Well, and, and that's, you know, there's always two obstacles there that, and one people tend to forget, you know, half the battle is just getting the devices and getting the tools. And the other half is knowing what to do with them when, when you do get them. Yeah, absolutely. Which we're going to, we're going to touch on in, uh, in this week's show. So, uh, yeah. it's yeah, you like great that? timing. I, that, yeah, that was my my nice subtle intro into uh, getting ready for our guest. Do you like that? Yeah, you're you're so yeah you're so much better at segues than I am. <laughs> well, um, yeah, and there's stuff that you're good at that, that I'm not like uh, like reading all the context stuff at the end of the show. Right, <laughs> you'll get a chance so, to do that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess without further ado, why don't why don't we jump right in uh, to our, our guest who is going to talk a lot about. Uh, exactly how you prepare teachers to be using these tools that that you can afford all right let's get to it okay so let's bring on our guest for today it's uh dr john headley strange he is a professor at the university of south alabama 
Uh, hey, Doctor Strange, how you doing? Doing fine. How are you doing, John? Good. It, I don't know. That always it sounds almost like a, a stage name when we when we to, to say your name like that. <laughs> so, well, I, you've been doing some really really cool things in your, your classroom, and and it's something that I was kind of interested in, just because um, I think lots of times in education people think about using Web two o tool, tools and and all this whole idea of like a twenty first century literacy. People think about that um, in regular like K through 12 education, uh, not a lot of people are thinking about the implications of that at higher ed. So that's why I wanted to bring you on. But um, first, why don't you, you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, my. Um, I'm an old man, so it might take forever, John. But, uh, <laughs> it's okay. We got time. <laughs> right. I, um, I've been in various aspects of education for uh, almost 50 years, and uh, I am now teaching with prospective teachers uh, about using technology in your classroom. And about three or four years ago, I developed this new course, which is mostly Internet-based, and um, which is attempting to prepare, prepare them to make use of all of the newest technologies when they get to be teachers. It's quite different than the course used to be, which was a little spreadsheet database uh, presentation and word processing. So uh, we're in our, let's see, fifth semester. We started in the summer of 10, and I had about two semesters before that, which I was practicing the course, trying things out and making changes. But it's been fairly stable. Uh, we changed it, but it's been fairly stable since summer of 10. And uh, it really has a lot of different aspects to it. I don't really want me to talk about the course itself right now, but uh, we really try to do some very different things than other courses. Well, it, it just makes sense, and it's funny that there's not, not funny, maybe it's sad, that there's not more colleges that are doing classes like this, because um, I work now in, in public ed, I work in a middle mm -hmm. school uh, for the last nine years, and it's funny because the the technologies that are available to us and the skills that we're supposed to be teaching kids are constantly changing but when I see somebody come out of a college and it's their first year, they're, they're brand new in, in the building, they really don't have any training in those new skills. So it, it's, it's just strange that uh, there's not more colleges who are looking to prepare pre-service teachers like with, with classes like what you're, you're teaching. Is that what you're seeing? Is this kind of like a new thing uh, near yeah, you? I, or is this I really don't know of anybody else that's doing what we're doing. I've had two or three people from around the world say, you know, that they're doing some things like this, or this is a course they want to teach, or why don't I do it for all of New Zealand, or whatever. Um, but I, I, I think that um, educational institutions are some of the hardest places to change, and so we're seeing that in the use of this technology. Now, part of it sure. has to do with the way that professors are rewarded. Part of it has to do with their whole thought press processes about what they should be doing in teaching. Part of it is that a lot of universities really don't care anything about teaching. They just care about publishing. A lot of things. So, you know. Sure. Well, and, and for you, I'm just, I'm curious, for you, having been in education for so long and, and having held so many different positions um, at different colleges and, and uh, different organizations and things, was it hard for you to kind of, what was the learning curve for you to um, feel comfortable teaching some of these new things that obviously weren't around 50 years ago when you started? Well, I, I don't have any problem with it at all. 
I'm sort of, uh, I get bored easily, so I want something new. And uh, they, well, I don't know. Uh, I sort of was forced into teaching this course. Uh, and I, I came into it when it was spreadsheet, database, word processing, and presentation. But I knew that really wasn't what people needed out in the field. So that's when I began to play around with a lot of different things. Started with blogs. Then um, one of my students happened to encounter Gold Chamberlain's blog for Noel uh, Masura, third grade, I think he was teaching then, or maybe fifth grade, and left a comment on it, and he got in touch with me. And, but he actually, what he did was he left a comment on that student's blog. I thought it was really great, uh, so I put it on my class blog and then wrote him and told him I was doing that. And he asked me two questions. He said, um, uh, can you Twitter? And I won't tell you what I said because <laughs> I'd have to wash my mouth out, I think. And he also said that commenting is just as important as doing a blog. And that really made me think about how important it was to get me started in this whole process. So that was a major sort of shift in direction what I was trying to, to implement. But I already had a lot of ideas about what I wanted to do. Some of them have evolved. Um, for the green bit, I got tired of people printing so much paper. So I thought, okay, of course I'm going to design. I'm not going to have any paper in, no paper out. And we're sort of forced by um, university regulations to either go all online or uh, some sort of partially online course or not online at all. So I didn't want to give up the contact with the students, which I think is really an important part of the process, but I wanted to push it as far into using the technology for instruction, since that's what I was talking about, as I could. So we do 25% of the class in class. The students have to meet four out of 16 weeks and the rest of it's online. Uh, one of the people in the, the lab, actually, he went to a meeting that I was supposed to go to and missed, and they were talking to some of the people in the College of Education at the University of Texas at Austin, and they were talking about using their students as the lab assistants. So I said, okay, let's do it. We didn't have any approval for it, no budget, nothing, but gee, who's in charge of labs, and I just started doing it. And now I've got uh, the equivalent of seven undergraduate students, 20 hours a week, um, operating the lab, which is open from 9 to 6 every day to late 30 on Wednesday night and 1 to 6 on the weekends. So that's an impo really important part of the class. For two reasons. One, the students have a place to come and participate in a learning community. And two, the students who are the, my undergraduate assistants really do get a, a great apprenticeship in terms of becoming teachers themselves. Of course, that's only a limited number of people. It really does make an impact. And the students are much more comfortable in talking with their fellow students than they are with me, which scared me. Uh, one of the other notions that I had was project-based education. I've been 
involved in experiential learning for a long time, set up a college in Massachusetts that was entirely experiential learning based. So I am a 45 year veteran of project based instruction. So that was, had to be part of it. I don't like grades. Uh, the college I started in Massachusetts, we didn't have any grades. It just were, we were declared competent or not. Um, and it was really, we tried to break the time-based part of instruction. I can't do that at, at University of South Alabama. They still make me operate within a schedule where people start and stop a class, and they have to be declared either passed or not passed at the end of that and given a grade from A to F. So I've, instead of grades, I really push people to do self-reflections, um, including a summary video reflection at the end of the year. I have to give them grades, but they give themselves a grade both in the midterm and at the end of the semester, and they're, they're getting pretty good at giving, grading themselves. I don't make many changes in it. Um, but the, but the self-reflection is, is so critical, I think. And I'm trying to get them to prepare to teach that way. Um, I don't like Burbank education. I don't like grades. And so uh, they get a lot of that sort of uh, philosophy from me. Everything they do and everything I do is totally in the public. All you have to do is go to the class blog, which is edm310.blogspot.com. And you'll see all the students' works. All, you'll have access to all of my assignments. You'll have access to everything that I share with the students. The only thing you won't see are the, the evaluations that I do and that my lab assistants contribute to. Um, and some things like uh, student email addresses and so forth that I don't publish openly, but if people want them, they can get them. Um, we really do focus on trying to get people to comment on blogs all over the world, uh, student blogs and teacher blogs. For example, John, you've got two students assigned to you every month. Yes. <laughs> and so they have to read your blog as well as I've got 76 teachers on that list. And then Every week, students comment on a kid's blog someplace in the world. And um, then they have to comment on each other's blogs. And the whole notion of peer uh, evaluation has been a real struggle for them, and we're still working on that. But this this global reach is a really important part to get out of South Alabama. Um, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, I, I follow, in addition to your, your website, you do a lot of stuff on Twitter using um, the EDM310 hashtag, and that's kind of how I discovered some of the really cool things you're doing. And uh, it's a neat way to pull other, I, I guess you either call experts or, or practitioners or however you, you want to call other teachers into the conversation. And I know a, a couple times either things I've posted, you've retweeted there or um, my blog has made it in, and I, I guess I didn't realize it was like a formal assignment or it was part of one of those projects because every once in a while I'll look and I'll, I'll have a blog comment on a post I, I wrote, and it'll be someone who starts off with, I'm from the University of South Alabama, and I like this, this, and this, and I always think, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> I never really totally understand where that was coming from. But that, well, that's, now uh, you know. They, that's very cool. And, at least but honestly, that's such a great way. Each of these teachers on my list. 
Yeah, well, and, and it, that really is such a great is, way for them to uh, to really do have that real connection, and that's such uh, a greater learning experience for pre-service teachers than um, giving them a, a research article or making them pull a journal article or something like that. It just it makes more sense to be doing things like what you're doing. Well, uh, one of the things they have to do is they have to develop PLN, and when they start the class, they don't have the foggiest idea what a PLN is, and some of them still don't. And it's halfway through the class, right? But the the Twitter is a, a major source if they want to really do it well. And this is the first semester that I have pushed Twitter as much as I have. Uh, I, I, I started out four semesters ago, five semesters ago, sort of showing people what it was and encouraging them. And we've moved it up a bit every semester. This semester, they have to, they have to use Twitter on a regular basis. And what that is means that they have to post uh, uh, tweets and they have to retweet and they have to contribute to the hash EDM310 um, part of it. Um, it's still not totally accepted by students, but it's we're, we're making great progress. And some of them have really taken to it. And there are probably a dozen from previous semesters that are big into Twitter. Uh, so, you know, that's one of the projects that they've got. They've got 16 projects to do in 16 weeks, so it's a, quite, a, quite an undertaking. Well, uh, Dr. Strange, I have uh, one question with regard to that and uh, like the PLMs. Uh, now, are, are, these are students, none who have actually been in a classroom before. Is that correct? That's correct. They're, they are, uh, for the most part, juniors. And this is um, the first tier of the College of Education classes that they're experiencing. Uh, they will move into the, the College just adopted a much more intensive in the classroom sort of uh, program uh, last year, and so they'll they'll move into the classroom for a couple of days a week next semester, and then they'll be in for three days a week the next semester, and then they'll be in full time the semester after that. Okay. Well, I was just—I was thinking, you know, with regards to that, that you know, when they actually get out into the classroom and uh, then it, you kind of, when you're there for the first time, you kind of feel like maybe you're all of a sudden you're out on an island all by yourself. Then you start to really look to reach out and and get that input from uh, people who have been doing it longer. Uh, uh, well, one of the things is that my students, the Indian three ten students, will know a lot more about all of this than anybody that they'll encounter in the teaching profession. And so they have to be politically astute as well, not to get in trouble by flaunting their knowledge, but they also have to help the <laughs> teachers. And, and that's hard for some of them to learn. And, 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 you know, one of the things that's really fascinating is that <coughs> my very best students sort of get put in charge of their classrooms immediately. <laughs> They're supposed to be learning from the teachers. And they do. They learn a lot. But they... They assume far more responsibility than than the college really thought that they would, because they are able to incorporate a lot of these new technologies into the teaching process, whether it's smart boards or whether it's the use of iPads or whatever. Uh, the, the real problem is that a lot of the schools just don't, 
They don't have access to really useful technology. They lock up what they do because they want to protect the world from their students, I think. They say they want to protect their students from the world, but I sort of say it's the other way around. Right. <laughs> and, um, and But that'll break down over time. One of the things that is on our agenda for the next year and the next year and the next year is to try to break in to that uh, sort of uh, locked up educational system that exists in in, in uh, Ballin and, and Mobile County. Uh, Ballin County really looks like that they may be making some very significant changes because they just got a new superintendent who went to Charlotte and saw a classroom filled with Max and came back and got Max into one high school and it's going to put Max all over the high school next year and the year after that they're going to try to do iPads throughout K-12 or three-year time period. So the, the teachers don't know how to use them and so my students will be very valuable in that process, but at least there's a beginning belief that this is what should be done. In Mobile County, I don't know that there's any vision at all for any of it. Uh, they just had a big splat over using uh, Facebook. And, you know, it's there's just there's no real understanding of how the world has changed. And until that happens, why well, it's very hard for my students to get a foothold and change the world like we want them to do. Well, uh, doctor, I have a question. Kind of, you're you're actually touching on something that I've been really mulling over all day long because, uh, you know, we always talk about let's, uh, you know, let's get more technology in, in the classroom and the educational process, and there's a big push for that. But you know, I struggle back and forth between, you know, do we are we getting the technology in the classroom as a tool for the students and the teachers to learn the same old things, or are we getting that technology in the classroom to teach them new things. And uh, it seems like nobody seems to really have a grip on which way they should be going or should it be blended or... Uh... Oh, this could start a year-long discussion. <laughs> um, yeah. that, that's not know, a 30-second response County, there. <laughs> Mobile County uh, solved the technology problem by buying smart boards. And so a smart board is got the technology in the classroom. And uh, that's not what I would do. With my money, I'd put tools in the hands of the users, that is the students. And that's why I think the, the Ball and County effort is a much more sensible one where they're going to put computers, laptops in the hands of the students or iPads in the hands of the students. And I've got two, I got a little money, grant money from Lucy Buffett, uh, um, and she she has made it possible for me to have two students out in two different schools, one in Ball and one in Mobile, with iPads in fifth grade classrooms. And so we're going to try to use that as also a way to break into that that system. But one of the things is that the, the, the real problem I think with with education today is that. It's just all burp back education. You cut somebody's head open, you pour information, you hit them on the back, they burp it out, they've forgotten it all by the time they finish the test, and everybody's happy because they passed the test. Where what we really ought to be doing 
is to change the whole nature of the educational system so that people have things to do, the projects to do, and the tools to do the best possible job to do them. And, you know, just the technology is not going to solve that. You've got to have the, the whole different concept of how people learn. And uh, they don't, we, we will not survive as a nation if all we do is memorize and go back. And so, but th th that reflects, you know, me 50 years of doing nothing but experiential education. So that's part of my big push. But you can't really do experiential education if you don't, if you aren't using, well, you can, but you're not going to go very far if you're not using the very best tools available to you. And technology is where it is right now in terms of that. So it's, right, you know, you know it's, it's a, the, 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 the problem is, it's huge. Now, I might just advise you that all of this craziness that I bring to this, I, I, I had never been in a college of education ever in my life until I came to the South 22 years ago. I didn't intend to stay when I did. Uh, so I've never, I don't have appropriate degrees for the educational community. I was trained as a political scientist, but even there they would reject me. Um, I just sort of have notions about how learning should best be done. Don't <laughs> anybody else tell them what I think. <laughs> they run me away, but that's okay. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to. They ran Einstein away, too, for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's what they were trying to do when they handed me this course. Well, it's, it's just cool to hear the things that you're doing. And, and like I said, I found you just... One day, one of your hashtags popped up, and I was curious what it was because I had never, I didn't recognize it. And uh, but it's just interesting to see because you know you were talking about kind of the reforms that need to be made in in education, and and it's really you're talking about best practices essentially, and um, you're doing that, and it's just pretty amazing to watch because you basically changed by doing kind of a a hybrid class where much of it's done online. You've turned it into a a twenty four hour learning community essentially, and that ideally is what schools need to go to, right? Yeah, I don't know whether K-12 can or not, but I, I, certainly if you can create a learning community, which is what we explicitly are trying to do, then, you know, you can't do any better than that. Um, and, and one of the, the issues that we're dealing with right now as a class is the whole notion of peer review that I mentioned earlier. And a lot of students just have a major problem with that. And so we're, but unless we act like a community and, and help each other see what they're doing right and wrong, then we're not going to make any progress on that. So it's really fascinating to watch, watch that evolve. So you'll see and hear more about that as we work through it. But uh, that's one of the, the major sort of uh, points that, that came up out of this semester and is going to be addressed later in the semester and next semester as well to try to figure out how to do it. And, you know, I've, I've talked to students about it. I said, okay, look, uh, you're, you don't like commenting on other people's blogs and saying anything negative at all. How in the world are they going to learn? Uh, well, we'll email. I said, okay, so you're going to email them rather than sharing it. So how long is that going to take? I said, if you really believe that that's the case, then we have a major responsibility right now, we've got to call up um, the uh, 
coaches of the football teams and tell them, you're doing it wrong. you got to send these players an email. You can't be showing them where they missed a block or didn't get the sign right or whatever in the middle of a game. you got to send them an email. And they look at me, sort of, you know, what's going on? And I said, well, I walk in without, with my fly open. Are you going to send me an email? And I said, Dr. Strange, you didn't zip up this morning. That gets them all in <laughs> subject. And then I said, the computer. we got to talk to the computer designers because the, if the computer, if you don't do something right, the computer just won't work. I think maybe they ought to, and, you know, but it's this really tough form to deal with that. And, and it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to figure all that out. People who've been in art departments don't react the same way. People who are in sports teams don't react the same way. People who've had traditional liberal arts education are the most sensitive. And people in education, I think, are more sensitive than anybody else because they see it as a helping profession. All you're supposed to do is help and not be a, a criticizer. But we're, gonna, we're working on that. Well, I have to be honest. There's, I kind of had a, a hidden motive behind talking to you, um, and I, I may have mentioned it to you once before when, on Twitter or something. But um, this past summer, I actually started teaching a, a graduate level education course that sounds pretty similar, at least in terms of, of the content and the purpose of it, as what you teach. So this last question is, is honestly, it's for me. I, I don't really care if anyone else listens, but. Um, if we if we are to have, I know I told you I'm I'm being kind of uh, self centered right yeah, now. That's but, right. I, I have hidden agendas all the time. <laughs> yeah. So so Sean, you don't even have to listen. You can go get a cup of coffee right, or something if right. you want But if there were other higher ed uh, instructors or professors out there right now who are doing something kind of like this, but it's such. A, I mean, you you throw out these words and you make it sound so simple. Well, we use blogs and we comment and we Twitter and we do all these projects and there, there's all kinds of stuff in there. But it's almost too big to even figure out how you get yourself into it. So if there was someone either like myself who is teaching a class like this right now or someone else out there in that same situation, what would you say is maybe the, the most, either your most useful thing that you do with your students or where would somebody even start? What, what would you see as a useful addition to a, a class like what you, what you're teaching currently? Well, you won't be able to do it all at once. And uh, I, I haven't been able to do it all at once. It's taken me, you know, five, seven semesters from the first sort of modifications that I thought about and what the course is like right now. But there are two key things that I would say you have to do. Number one, blogging is absolutely critical. And this, this is my opinion. But that is the central part of what we do. Because everything that a student does is posted on their blog. And it gives us a basis for commenting on each other's blogs, on teachers' blogs like yours, and on kids' blogs like the third graders and, and pointing the school in um, Auckland, New Zealand, or the contest, the blogging contest that is out of Australia, or Mr. Chamberlain's seventh graders who are doing artwork, or wherever it might be. Number two is that, that for me, Twitter is just was an absolutely essential part of the whole process because it's there that I really got to meet a whole lot of people all over the world, and they've been very helpful in helping me shape my class and helping my students and a whole bit. And, and Phil Chamberlain 
more than anybody else, um, really helped me understand uh, those two things. And despise two questions he asked me. He said, you got a comment on blogs. So that was not a question, but a statement. And do you do Twitter? And I said, no, I don't know Twitter. I'm not, I'm not interested in Twitter. I don't want to know what people are eating for breakfast, da-da-da-da-da. And the very next Monday, my students were doing a podcast, and I forgot to plug in the mic, and they had interviewed Angela Rand, who runs the our Baldwin County campus, uh, not the whole campus, but she runs the technology part of it. And so they had to redo her interview, and she changed it completely, and she started out by saying, I challenged you as students to do 140-character book reviews right on Twitter. And I'm thinking, is this woman talking about? She's nutty as a fruitcake. <laughs> and then I got to thinking of what, we've got a motto for the class, I don't know, let's find out, because one of the things that I want to make sure students understand is that I don't know it all. They don't know it all. We're all learners. If we're not learning, well, we're in trouble. So I'm sitting there thinking about the motto, and I'm thinking about Angela, and I'm thinking about Bill Chamberlain, and I'm thinking about Twitter, and I'm thinking about the fact that I have reached a conclusion about Twitter and never even used it. So I said, okay, this is not the right to, way to go about learning. We're going to try it out for a month, and we're going to see if we can make it useful to us. So I tried it out more than other people did, but we all tried it out. And then I realized how incredibly valuable it could be to me in linking me with the world. It got me into C4K, it got me into the people in Twin England School, and all the people in Australia, and uh, Biz, uh in in where they're gotten the guys over in Indonesia. All of these people that I'm now connected with that make a difference. So you start with blogs, you start with Twitter, you may not assign Twitter to your students. You decide what principles you want to have for your class, like I want it to be green, I want it to be public, and you add on from there. And you know, we we've added on. Now we're doing C four T, C four K, C four C. Um <clears throat> We're doing the 16 projects. We've got 16 projects. Got to do um, a lot more video this year than before. Uh, they've got to have their blog. They've got to do uh, a Wordle. They've got to comment on all of these people that I talked about. They've got to do a Google presentation. I'm going to try to break them from the Microsoft habit, more PowerPoint. They've got to do a video on This Is My Sentence, which was sort of a Daniel Pink idea, and then he took a lot of the students and added two or three of them to his big conglomerate a couple of years ago. Uh, they got to do a podcast as a cooperative project. they got to do a wiki or a timeline or a volunteer project in the community. they got to do uh, develop their PLN. they got to do a short movies just to get them into the movie-making bit. they got to do a book trailer, which is really a movie bit that's been a huge success. Uh, they got to do smart board instruction because it's mandated by the dean and we want want them to know how to do it when they get in the classroom, two parts of that. They got to record a Skype interview and they got to do a final project for which there are absolutely no parameters and no instructions and it drives them nuts. But that's what we're <laughs> And that, that, you know, a lot of this came from, from, um, uh, 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 Randy Pausch's ideas, watching his lecture. 
then each week they do a blog post and you, you can go on and see all of the assignments that I gave. A lot of those movies that they watch or whatever, a lot of those uh, ideas I got from, uh, Alec Kuros, again out of Twitter. So, you know, the ideas that I, that I put into here are not original. It come from a lot of different places, but some of them I've tweaked and some of them, uh, many, you know, that's what they did. So take a look at all my material. It's all out there. And, you know, get started. You already started. Just tell us again, where, where can they, if, if our listeners wanted to take a look at some of these projects and tell me again, where can they find that? And the HTTP colon slash slash edm310.blogspot.com. Everything is there. A lot of people put www in front of edm310. Don't do that. Just edm310. <laughs> blogspot.com and on there you'll get all my contact information you'll be able to get a link to go see every one of the students blogs and all of their posts and all of the comments that have been left on it by me and by other students so you can see the critiques that have been done there you can't see the the uh, assignments for C4T or C4K but you can see the summaries that the students have done uh, for each of those assignments. You'll see their movies. You'll see everything. So it's all there. And then the instruction manual and all of the documents that I give the students, uh, there are links to them on the sidebar and then uh, all of the blog posts in the class blog, which are additional assignments or comments from me about progress or changes in plans or whatever. So everything is there. And there are also two links to the two iPad projects, one at Elsinore and one um, at that's in Baldwin County and one at St. Elmo in Mobile County. And if anybody's really interested in, in that, they ought to go there as well because th these are two of my students that are out in the field trying to do some different things there as well. So... It's, it's all there, and I'd be more than happy to help people to, in any way I can, because so many people have helped me, uh, especially sure. Bill Chamberlain. Well, and, you know, here's a, a, a my cheap plug then. Um, actually, we had Mr. Chamberlain on uh, a while back, Sean. I think it was like episode four, right. um, talking talking a lot about what he does with his comments for kids and uh, also just some of the, the really uh, interesting things that he does in his class, opening up his classroom to the outside world. So. Um, we, we've had a chance to talk to Will and he's just a, a, a really involved teacher and I guess I didn't realize the, the, the scope of, of his influence too. I thought he, you know, I follow him on, on Twitter and I talk with him a lot on there, but I guess I didn't realize how much he's influenced some of the things that, that you've done. Oh, yeah. In fact, I guess it other makes day, sense, I guess, because it's the some other day cool I went stuff on, you're I, doing too. I looked at the number of tweets that he had done. Thirty-two thousand, some of them. Yeah, <laughs> he's influenced wow. a lot of people. I, I yeah. Said, okay, Bill, you've done the equivalent of twenty. I think it was twenty or forty. I forgot. I did the math. I forgot. Uh, Two hundred page books. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he always is getting on me. He says, "Strange." He says, "You can't write in one hundred and forty characters. You want to write a book every time." I'm getting right. better, but you know, he's right about that. I'm still one of the old people. I. Talk too much and write too much. <laughs> well, it's but a dying art, I guess. It's enormously okay. helpful. Really great guy. I, I actually got him to come to the South last summer. So he and his wife uh, 
visited us and visited with some of the students, and uh, we were able to set up a, an, an award, the William Chamberlain Award for Outstanding EDN 310 Students. And the first ones were made last year, and then we had a second round this year. And that's a, that's an endowed fund that will reach our target sometime probably um, the latter part of 2012. So if anybody wants to contribute to the William Chamberlain Fund, just write a check to the University <laughs> of South Alabama and put that on it, and it'll toward, go toward helping EDM 310 students um, as prize money for them. That's great. Yeah. Well, Dr. Strange, uh, I really appreciate you, you talking with us. Uh, is there anything else before before we let you go that you want to share with uh, our listeners? I want to thank you for putting me on your list of uh, people to follow on Twitter. I was... Uh, very pleased oh, by that sort of surprise. Yeah. Yeah, about a month and a half ago, I, I went through, she was right about, uh, like September, uh, teachers are going back to school, and that's the first thing I always hear when I'm trying to push Twitter to my colleagues is, well, I don't even know who to follow. So I, I went through and made a list of my, my top, I think it was 56 people that, that I, I really benefit from following. Yeah, you, you made the list. So I, I appreciate Thank everything you. you send out Pretty as well. Much. <laughs> I was honored. I mean, it, I didn't name an award after you, but but still, you you made the list, and that that's pretty good. <laughs> so. that's well, Doctor Strange, thank you, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, we'll have to to talk to you again sometime and see how what what new things you've added to your class next semester. Okay, keep keep me posted on how you, how your class uh, evolves, and give me links so we can go look at it. And oh, absolutely, I'll, absolutely. I'm back and forth from time to time. And anybody else that's listening that's interested in this or wants to chat about it or talk about it or share, you know, Google Docs about it, whatever, I'll be more than happy to, to see if I can be of any assistance. All right. Yeah, and we'll, we'll make sure that we have your uh, all your contact listed in the show notes as well. Okay. That's great. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, take care, Dr. Strange. Good to talk to you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Dr. John Headley Strange from the University of South Alabama, um, talking about some of the stuff that he does in his his graduate, or actually it's, it's undergraduate class, uh, EDM three ten. Pretty cool to know that kind of stuff's going on at the the higher ed level, huh, Sean? Yeah, it is. It gives me hope for you know what uh, <laughs> yeah you know what the future will bring. You know, hopefully, because I I mean he's he's right. It was a great show to have because it's amazing to still see young teachers who presumably just by the fact that they're young should know a little bit more about technology. But you see them going to the classroom and. Uh, a lot of times they're they're still kind of lost, right? And and even if they do maybe know how to manipulate the technology, they don't really know how to apply it to instruction. Right, exactly. It's kind of that the two sides of it. And actually, there's a teacher that I know who started like two or three years ago now, and that was the first thing I asked when she came into the building. I said, "Well, what kind of like classes did you take in, in terms of technology?" And she said, oh, I had a, a technology class I had to take. And I said, well, what kind of stuff did you learn? And she said, oh, I learned about macros on Word. I'm thinking, oh, man, right. <laughs> like you got a lot to learn. <laughs> so it, it's great that some, you know, some places are actually starting to recognize the need to teach teachers how to use this stuff. And that was actually why one of the first questions I asked was, you know, is this something that's going on all around there? Because I was thinking for a minute, um, being in New York, I know that in New York a lot of colleges have still not kind of gotten to that point so i'm thinking is alabama ahead of us in terms of, of what they're doing in their their colleges and so i guess i was kind of re- relieved and disappointed at the same time for him to tell me that 
um, he really is the only person down there doing it because it, it needs to be happening more. Yeah, and I think that's something that will evolve. When it when it comes to that, it does seem kind of funny that higher education is maybe kind of lagging behind, you know. Uh, oh, absolutely. Because, you know, public education is, is jumping in and, you know, they're getting this technology uh, even though they don't necessarily know what they're going to do with it. You know, there's this big push for tech, 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 let's get technology in the classroom. And uh, and that's great. But, again, you know, it's like, well, you know, we're not using it uh, as effectively as we could right now. Um, and so, uh, hopefully, yeah, the, hopefully that's the beginning of what will become a very widespread movement and, uh, you know, teachers will be able to come in and, uh, you know, just from the get go, they're going to have a really good idea of what they are, you know, should be doing with this technology. Oh yeah. Well, and that's like the hidden cost of technology lots of times is the cost to, um, train and, and then have support for the teachers. So by having classes like this, it kind of cushions that blow a little. Right, right. All right, so uh, I guess we'll move on. Um, you have a, a tip of the week this week, right? Yeah, I guess it's, I don't know if it's really a tip or it's a, a follow-up story. I, I put it down here because you had so much to talk about in the warm-up. I didn't want to uh, waste <laughs> my story up there. So um, back, I think it was uh, episode seven. I'm, I guess I'm just plugging all kinds of old episodes. Episode right. seven, we talked with Mark Urey, who was the CEO and co-founder of Storybird.com. And uh, Storybird is a, a really cool site. I know that we had the whole episode dedicated to it. I think it was a, a, a tip of the week on Tightwad Tech at some point, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, I did a tip. Let's see here. Um Let's see. It was back in uh, February or March. I think it was February because it was when I was at the TCEA convention here, which is a tech, uh, teaching and computers right. and education, something. <laughs> but it's, it's a huge convention that we have every year in Texas. And uh, uh, that was the actual, we recorded a live show there, and that was my tip of the week for that right. show. So I remember it was back in February. And uh, I I came across it just shortly before that, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a really cool site, John. Why don't you uh, mention it again, just well, in case nobody's uh, heard heard of it? Yeah, you know, we so we we've saturated it pretty heavily, but uh, for any listener who who hasn't seen it before, basically, Storybird is a, a site that allows students to go on and create like children's stories. But the the twist to the site is that they have professional artwork already uploaded to the site, and that's the artwork that the students use to create the book. So in a sense, it's actually quite restricting because they can't upload either photographs or pictures they, they drew. They have to use the set of images that are currently on the site and, and then make their story to fit those images. So if they want to write a story about a mouse who finds a piece of cheese, they can't write that unless there's a set of images that has a mouse with a piece of cheese. Okay. Um, so it, it actually causes them, or create, makes them really think hard and really use a lot of analytical process thinking because they have to figure out how to make a story out of the, the pictures. So um, I've used it a couple times, and that's actually why I, I, I asked Mark to come on the show in the first place, just because it is such a, a cool site. And if you remember, Sean, when he was... Uh, on the show, he mentioned that they had just opened up a fundraising uh, uh, portion of the site. Yeah, and, uh, that's I, right. We got a scoop on that. Yeah, and and I never heard. I didn't know about it until he mentioned it. So the first thing I did when I went back to school this year was hopped on and started playing around with it. So I actually just today received my my Storybird published books of my students who who participated in our fundraiser. So that's technically my tightwad or my uh, my my tech tip for the day. Um, the way it works Great. is after the kids publish their stories, you can set up a, a fundraiser uh, 
option on the site through your classroom. And for every order that comes in, your classroom gets $5 out of uh, the total cost of the books. And um, and we're going to be doing something else with it, which I'll, I'll save for another time. But um, So my students, I opened it up, and the students had an option to buy their books. And I had, I think, 35 kids or 36 kids who... who purchase books and they're going to use them now to sell or they're going to use them for gifts for grandma and that kind of stuff for the holidays um, oh wow so that, I, that equaled like a few hundred dollars at least for you right yeah i yeah um the way it works is for every it's not every book it's every order that that comes in so a couple kids ordered like three or four copies of their book for different presents or whatever oh and okay th- you still got the five dollars for that order but overall i think i, I made like 180 dollars for for my team for my group of kids and we're now actually going to reinvest that money in another project but right. um, more more importantly i now have books on my desk that i'm going to distribute tomorrow that are published books they look just like any book that you go to uh, a store and buy like a children's book and some you can have the option to buy a hardcover or a soft cover but i was really really impressed with the quality of it. it it looks like a real book like it doesn't look like it was printed someplace and stapled together and i was i was a little worried about that at first sure but it's um just amazing so i guess that's going to be my my teacher tip again is uh, if you haven't looked at storybird yet and especially if you're looking for a way to raise money right now it's such a, a more meaningful way to fundraise rather than selling candy bars or selling magazine subscriptions. I mean, the idea that you can give your students the opportunity to actually have like a published work that they can be proud of is just, it is as important as the, the money that could be coming in for your classroom. Well, yeah. I mean, that's got to be an easy seller, right? I mean, what parent oh, yeah. or grandparent doesn't want to buy a book that their kid wrote, right? I mean,. <laughs> Right, absolutely. Uh, you know, and the cool thing, what a lot of kids I, I saw were doing is when they started writing their stories, they knew that they were going to be using that book as a gift for their cousin or their little sister or whoever it was. So what they actually did was they made sure the characters in the story were named the same as the person they were going to get it for. So that was even like that extra little twist. Um, yeah. So that it, it was just, it was a cool project to begin with. And I've always enjoyed using the, the website. But like I said, that, that fundraising option, that was just a home run hit. So. Um, again, very, very cool, and, and I would check out storybird.com to, to learn more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Go over there and check it out because, uh, yeah, we both love that site. Can't, can't say enough uh, good stuff about it. So, all right. Well, uh, John, uh, you know, uh, this is this being my last show. Oh, uh, you're going to make me do it. I think yeah. you should have the honors one last time. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Uh, you know, I kept uh, it, it was completely unintentionally, but it was just the flow that I'm used to being in. That, <laughs> you know, I jump in uh, at the end there and uh, just get into the contact us portion of the show. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to let you uh, let you give it a shot this week because, uh, yeah, next week you're on your own. <laughs> I know. I know. Next week I'm going to make Brian do it. That'll oh, be there his you opening. Go. That's a good idea. Delegate the authority there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, if uh, what, what Sean and I are talking about, if you want to contact us, there's a bunch of ways to do so. Uh, first of all, you can go to the website, which is elementop.com, and uh, that has all of our shows listed on there. But you can scroll through and find Tightwad Teacher and, and contact us that way. And there's also forums, which. I promise I will start posting on soon. Uh, I have all kinds of uh, videos and, and pictures that I keep promising I'm going to put up. So yeah, I, I, I really want to. I want to see the pictures of the. Uh, of course, I've seen the accordion, but I, I know there's other people that would love to see those as well. Yeah, there's all kinds. I know, so I'll, I'll get on that. But um, so that's the first way you can also find us. Follow us on Twitter at uh, the Element Op. Uh, uh, handle and then there's also a, a subgroup for the tightwad teacher so if you subscribe to that you can follow 
Um, me and I imagine Sean will still be on there, and then also Brian uh, will be added as our our new co-host. Right. So you can uh, pay attention to all of the things that we we tweet out um, on Facebook. I I don't know if we've we've gotten it yet for us, but you can uh, follow Element Opie that the general Element Opie page at Facebook.com/slash Element Opie. And uh, you can also search for us. I don't think we have, like, the, the vanity name yet. Uh, right. A certain number of likes. Um, I looked, actually, it's pretty pathetic, because I looked the other day, and I think there's only, like, three people who like us right now. And <laughs> one one is me. I, I think one might be either you or, or Mark. And then one was my wife. And I said to her, oh, oh, you followed me? And he, she said, no, no, I think you did that once when you were on my name by accident. <laughs> so um, so we, we would really appreciate you to uh, do a search for us, uh, Tightwad Teacher on Facebook. And then lastly, I believe we have a new phone number That's that you right. can also contact us. Um, so you can call and leave a message for us at 559-I-AM-OPIE. OPIE is O-P-I-E. I like that. That's a, a pretty catchy phone number. Right. You know, we're trying to get, you know, get everybody in the, uh, the collective spirit, I guess. <laughs> you know? I like it. So, so we're yeah, all OPIEs here. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that that's almost a play, isn't it? What is it? The army or one of the the military services? Isn't that their slogan right now? Like I am army or I am navy or something. Something like that, or an army of one, or yeah, or yeah, something. I am one. I don't know, something like we that. We have that that group mentality thing going right now. Right. I like it. So, um, so if you leave us a, a phone message, uh, we will uh, take a look and uh, hopefully either play it back or at least answer your 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 question or address your comment on the next show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, see, you did great. It's like you've uh, done that before. I well, I've I've heard the master do it enough times. I kind of <laughs> picked up on it. I I think I, I'm I'm maybe the like the the assistant or the uh, the master in training or something. Mark right. Mark has me crushed, but. <laughs> Well, so, I got big shoes. I got big shoes to fill, Sean. <laughs> oh, you're gonna do great, and I look forward to uh, to listening to uh, you and Brian every week. I think uh, you're gonna do a great job, and it's gonna be uh, a lot of fun. So, uh, to all of those out there, all those listeners that have uh, been with us along the way, uh, I'm gonna just say uh, it's been fun, and uh, you know, you may hear me from time to time. Uh, I may pop back in and, and sit in. Uh, I do that uh, on a couple of other shows uh, every now and then. So, uh, yeah, but it's been a fun ride. And uh, uh, I guess I'll just end by saying uh, uh, this is Sean, and uh, I'll see you around. <laughs> and this is John signing off. I'll see you next week.